0: You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM with Mankir and and we're talking about a recent report from the Canadian Rental Housing Index that found British Columbia now has the highest share of renters spending more than half of their income on rent and utilities in Canada. We're now speaking to Marika Albert, Director of Policy at BC Nonprofit Housing Association. Marika, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for
1: having me this morning. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Now let's start off with what exactly is the Canadian Rental Housing Index?
1: Sure. So the the Canadian Rental Housing Index is a comprehensive database that provides an accurate picture of the rental housing situation in cities and regions and provinces and territories across Canada. And all the data that we use in the index is provided by Statistics Canada, which we order through custom tabulations. And all these data are from the 2021 long-form census. So some of you may have remembered filling out your form. Well, we thank you so much for that because it really provides us with important information about what's happening in our communities. The index also, it's the first of its kind in Canada and it examines issues of income and affordability and overcrowding in more than 800 municipalities and regions uh, across our provinces and territories. And we also, through this index, provide customized data on the number of Canadian households that rent, specifically, uh, how much their household income is going towards rent and utilities, and the quality of their living conditions for both overcrowding and homes in need of repair. And the the index, really, we see this as a really important tool. We strongly believe that uh, we need evidence-based policymaking. Um, and so we really see this as a tool for housing planners, nonprofit developers, and local and regional governments um, so that they can use this information to plan for the future of rental housing in their region. So it's a really comprehensive tool.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, an important reminder yeah. why you've got to fill out the census so we can get this right? information. It's so right. Yeah. And like you said, yeah. so you looked at the census information. So why are we seeing such an increase in BC?
1: So this is a really big question, and I love this question, and I wish I had hours and hours to sit down with you and talk to you about all of the reasons why. Um, There is a long history of why uh, B.C. ranks as the most unaffordable province and why we continue to see these rents increasing. And so I know we don't have a lot of time with each other today, so I'm going to give you kind of three of many reasons why. So the first one um, is that we have a huge backlog of rental housing that needs to be addressed before we even scratch the surface of current projected need. So in 2017, our organization created a report called the Affordable Housing Plan for BC. And in that report, we were using census data. We estimated that we needed to address a backlog of 80,000 rental units across the province to address current needs. And then we needed to build another 70,000 over the following 10 years to keep up with that need. there's definitely a supply issue here, and when we talk about supply, we also talk about the right kind of supply. So, you know, bachelor suites and one-bedroom apartments are fine for retiring couples or young professionals, but if you have a family, um, a, a bachelor suite or a one-bedroom apartment is just not going to cut it for you. Um, so, we just don't have enough rental housing stock to meet meet rental demand here in our province. The second reason is that as the cost of owning a home increases, and we've all you know we all watch the housing market closely. Because, um, and as it becomes more out of reach for many British Columbians, more people either move into the rental market or they stay in the rental housing market. So in fact uh, since every census since 2011 we've seen a steady increase of the number of renters of the number of renters and then we see a stag stagnating numbers of h- owners which then of course brings us back to that supply issue I just mentioned. And then the third one that I wanted to mention is the cost of development and construction is increasing at an alarming rate due to a number of factors, including labor shortages and supply chain issues. I mean, even if you're someone out there that's trying to renovate your home, you know how how hard it is to find uh, labor, supplies. So um, that all actually comes together and really uh, impacts the, the housing market. Mm-hmm. This means, though, that in order to, to make their buildings profitable, owners of many new private market rental buildings are charging very high rents. They just have to make, it, make the math work. And then over time, as these buildings age, the rents will flatten out comparatively. So, you know, we're not, we're not saying we shouldn't be building these, you know, higher-priced rental buildings um, because, you know, they will, they will flatten out over time. Um, but new private sector rental units are out of reach many of the rental households that, uh, you know, reported about their experiences in in the index or on the, sorry, on the uh, the census form. So we have, you know, the cost of building, we have a supply backlog, we have the fact that folks can't afford to really move into home ownership anymore. So those three factors and, you know, and additionally, a lack of investment from uh, government uh, in building more subsidized housing is, is why we're seeing this this increase, and uh, B.C. being the most, uh, the least affordable, I should say, uh, rental market in
0: Canada. Makes sense, and thank you for mm-hmm. summarizing that. I appreciate it. And do you find, in looking at this data, are there particular demographics that are impacted by the rental housing crisis?
1: There are, actually. Unlike previous releases of the index, this year we actually dug into who is most impacted by these affordability challenges, excuse me. And, and some examples of systemic oppression are really evident across the index. Um, you know, we talk about systemic oppression a lot, but we don't actually, you know, and, and, but the, these data actually show us that it's a real thing. So we have higher levels of representation from marginalized communities in several areas that we look into, including overcrowding, homes in need of major repairs, and affordability. So I pulled some of the stats for Vancouver. That's where I live. Um, and women-led renter households face higher rates of affordability challenges than households led by men. So for one thing, women-led household incomes were $13,000 a year less than men-led household incomes. That's a big gap. 42% of women-led households pay over 30% of their income on their rent and utilities compared to men, which is 37%. And in one in five women-led households pay more than 50% compared to 17% of male-led households. So clearly there's a gendered experience of the housing market happening right now, and this is what these data are telling us. We also see that Indigenous-led renter households in Vancouver face large income disparities compared to non-Indigenous families, and this one really kind of took my breath away. An average of $20,000 difference compared to uh, Indigenous household incomes and non-Indigenous household incomes. Wow. And we also know that 40% of all indigenous renter households pay more than 30%. So we really, the data are also showing us what we already know is happening in our communities. And so we really need to, in order to address this, we're going to need really particularly targeted programs at ensuring that everyone in our communities is not feeling that disparity in the rental market.
0: Mm-hmm. That's very surprising, especially the gendered experience than the Indigenous yeah. and non-Indigenous. What a huge difference there. And something else that yeah. the report really highlights, too, is the mm-hmm. issue of <laughs> overcrowding in the city of Vancouver. Yeah. How much of an issue yeah. is that?
1: Well, 10% of rental households in Vancouver reported living in overcrowded conditions. And, you know, 10% doesn't seem that high, doesn't sound that high. But that 10% actually equals over 16,000 households living in overcrowded conditions. That's a lot of people. And this is, this is just 1% less than the overall for BC. So when you consider the high cost of rent in Vancouver, it's really no wonder that people are cramming into smaller units. I mean, it's the only way they can afford a home. I remember when I was going to university and we would have, you know, there would be six or seven of us renting a house together. And I mean, that was quite a long time ago. Um, And we still needed to have a number of roommates to afford housing in Vancouver. So um, overcrowding, I think we're keeping our eye on this one. We'll probably, we suspect that we'll see it continue to increase. But really, 16,000 households is 16,000 households too many.
0: Mm -hmm. And now sort of knowing now what the issues are, what sort of policy is needed to address it?
1: There are a number of different policies at all levels of government that come into play uh, in regulating and supporting. Supporting the rental housing market um, so our, our organization advocates for higher investment into nonprofit rental housing nonprofit housing rental housing is guaranteed to remain affordable for the whole duration of the building um, and public investment really is the only way we're going to successfully address the housing crisis so I mean and that public investment comes from the federal level and from the provincial level but municipalities can also make a difference too um, in creating a really good, uh, policy environment, uh, so that it's easier to build housing in their communities. Um, but we really see that there is a need, uh, to support more nonprofit housing, and that's really going to help us, um, address the housing crisis. We only have, our, out of all of Canada, only 4% of our rental market is, is, uh, nonprofit housing. And in other places in the world, like some of the countries in Europe, that's over 50%, and they're just not experiencing the same levels of housing of the housing crisis that we are here. And so doing that public investment, I think, will really alleviate that, that stress off of people and trying to find a, a place to live that they can afford.
0: Marika, I want to thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And before I let you go, is there anything else you'd yeah. like to add? I would. Thank you so much. One thing that I would just I encourage all of your listeners
1: if you hear about a new rental building being built in your neighborhood and there's a public hearing, it's a nonprofit housing provider, please speak in support to council. Show your support to your local politicians. We need everyone to come together to help, and this is one way that neighbors can really help and support us expanding our rental market and ensuring that we have, that everyone in our communities has an affordable place to live.
0: Marika, thanks again for your time. We really appreciate it. You take care.
1: Thank you so much. You take care too. I,